1: From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, August 12th, 2022. Coming up this hour.
2: Nuclear documents were reportedly at the center of the FBI search of Donald Trump's Florida home.
1: Now the former president calls for the release of the warrant used in the search.
2: Joe Biden is said to be preparing to launch
3: a re-election bid.
1: And we speak to San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly on the central bank's next move.
3: Calls resumed to get rid of horse-drawn carriages in New York City, plus investigators are looking into a man who tried to breach an Ohio FBI office. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash. Sharon sports. The Giants won
4: their preseason opener at New England. The Jets, Mets, and Yankees
5: all play tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app.
2: Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
1: I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are higher this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street. I'm mean, going to check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 23 points. Dow futures up 163. And Nasdaq futures up 81. And the 10-year Treasury up 232. Yield 2.87%. They yield on the two-year 3.20%. Nathan.
2: Karen, we'll have more on markets in a minute. But first, we're learning more about what the FBI was looking for when it executed a search warrant at the Florida home of former President Donald Trump. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99. one newsroom in Washington.
0: Reportedly among the items, classified documents related to nuclear weapons. The Washington Post reports it isn't clear if the information involved weapons belonging to the United States or some other nation. And we don't know yet if those documents were recovered in the search. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced the Department of Justice has filed a motion to unseal the search warrant and that more information is coming.
2: The department filed the motion to make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search,
5: the surrounding circumstances, and the substantial public interest in this matter.
0: And the judge immediately ordered DOJ to consult with Trump's legal team and notify the court within 24 hours about whether they would oppose the request. Late last night, former President Trump said on social media... He agreed the search warrant and the list of items taken should be made public. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Amy, thank you. Well, we're getting more reaction to Attorney General Garland's request to unseal the warrant. and Cardozo School of Law, Professor Jessica Roth says former President Trump could release the documents himself.
6: The former president has confirmed publicly that a search was executed on his property, um, thus essentially eliminating one of the primary reasons why search warrants remain under seal at this juncture, which is to protect the privacy of those um, who were searched.
1: Cardozo law professor Jessica Roth is a former federal prosecutor in the Southern District of New York. She was a guest on Bloomberg Sound on her weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well,
2: another major political story we're watching this morning, Karen. Bloomberg News has learned that President Biden is preparing to launch his re-election campaign in the months after November's midterm elections. Those close to the president describe him as upbeat about recent legislative, economic and foreign policy victories, though polls show most Democrats would rather have a candidate other than Biden.
1: Well, Nathan, we also have new developments this morning on the battle against the pandemic. The CDC is loosening guidance for people exposed to COVID-19. Now, Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story.
5: This is the latest loosening of CDC policies. It says there is no longer a recommendation to quarantine after exposure and says it more closely aligns with what people are doing anyway. It says it will benefit school classrooms and the children themselves. It does say those people should wear masks indoors while monitoring for symptoms. And it also says people with COVID symptoms should end isolation on the sixth day or later in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed. Thank
2: you. Turning back to markets now.
5: Futures are higher as we close out a trading week that's been highlighted by
2: inflation data. Stocks have rallied since their mid-June low and the S&P 500 is now trading near a three-month high. JP Morgan, Chief Global Strategist David Kelly says stocks could rebound to records in the next few years. Look at the, what the record high would be. Look at the percentage gain you're talking about here. So you, if you need to go up, you know, 15%, you know, if it takes you
5: a year to do that, that's a great gain. If it takes you two years to do that with dividends, that's still a great gain. If it takes you three
0: years, you're still making good money. So uh, all, in order to be a bull on stocks, all you have to believe is that you'll get there within, say, the next three years.
2: J.P. Morgan's David Kelly says he would be fully invested in equities right now.
1: Well, despite the cooler inflation readings we've seen this week, Nathan, the discussion continues on how aggressive the Fed will be. And San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly says she's flexible when it comes to future policy. I have a
7: baseline case going into September that is 50 basis points. That's where I've been since the last meeting. But I have an open mind about whether 75 is going to be necessary. And a lot of that will depend on the labor market, inflation, and whether we start to – we see those things slow enough to say, wow, we've got the momentum we need.
1: San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes. Catch more of that conversation coming up shortly on Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: Well, in corporate news this morning, Karen, we have Apple in focus. We're told the company expects to sustain iPhone sales this year, even as the market slows. More from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellett.
5: Apple is asking suppliers to build at least as many of its next-generation iPhones this year as in 2021, counting on an affluent clientele and dwindling competition to weather a global electronics downturn. Sources tell Bloomberg the tech giant is telling its assemblers to make 90 million of its newest devices on par with last year, despite deteriorating projections for the smartphone market. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: Charlie. Thank you. All shares of Illumina are on the move this morning. The DNA sequencing giant stock is plunging down 15% in the pre-market. As Bloomberg's Doug Krisner reports, the company cut its full year earnings forecast.
5: Illumina blamed the reduction on potential penalties in Europe over its acquisition of cancer test provider Grail. Last month, the two companies were warned of hefty fines after EU regulators said the merger was implemented before regulators reviewed the deal. Illumina now says adjusted earnings will be in the a range of $2.75 to two ninety a share. Its earlier forecast was between $4 and $4.20.
2: In New York, I'm Doug Krisner Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Doug, thank you. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by BNY Mellon's Pershing. Learn why the world's most sophisticated wealth management and institutional firms rely on Pershing to help them improve profitability, create efficiency, attract talent, and manage risk at Pershing.com. Futures moving higher and straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 607 on Wall Street. We're at 72 degrees in Central Park. Got a crash southbound 17 near Williams Street. We'll get you the details in traffic shortly. First, uh, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good
3: morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Authorities are investigating whether an armed man who tried to breach the FBI Cincinnati office had ties to far-right groups. He fled and was shot, died hours later in a rural standoff with law enforcement. Ohio State Highway Patrol spokesman Lieutenant Nathan W.
2: Throughout the day today, um, law enforcement officers attempted to negotiate with the suspect.
3: State Highway Patrol Lieutenant Nathan Dennis. The FBI is warning its agents to take extra precautions amid an increase in social media threats following Monday's search at former President Trump's home. The suspect is identified as 42-year-old Ricky Schiffer. Activists rallied at City Hall to demand New York City Ban the use of horse-drawn carriages after a horse collapsed in Hell's Kitchen Wednesday evening. The NYPD used water hoses to try to cool down the horse. Demonstrators support a bill the New York City Council is currently considering to replace the horses with electric carriages. About 200 potential jurors for the trial of a man charged with killing eight people on a New York City bike path in a terror attack filled out questionnaires. Eventually, 12 jurors and six alternates will be chosen for the October 11th trial of Seyfolo Saipov in Manhattan's federal court. Saipov was charged in the 2017 attack after prosecutors say he used a truck that hit numerous pedestrians along the West Side Highway. U.K. officials say children under nine years of age could be eligible for a booster dose to fight polio soon. It comes as officials in Rockland County, New York, are investigating the country's first polio case identified in decades, leading to some concerns that polio could be coming back in the U.S., Dr. Amy Arrington, who specializes in global biological preparedness in Texas, says that while the best protection against polio remains childhood vaccination, Americans can take other precautions to lower their risk as well.
8: The key to that is really, you know, good hand hygiene, um, being alert and surveillance like we've done and like they've done in New York to catch this case. Um, but primarily, you know, keeping up with your your polio boosters and your, your vaccine schedule as a child.
3: Dr. Arrington spoke to ABC. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael.
2: Almost six ten on Wall Street time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashon. All right, Nathan, football's back. Giants and Patriots
4: in New England. The game had six lead changes, and the Giants on a Graham Gano field goal is third for the night, 123 21. Daniel Jones played the first quarter, 6 of 10, 69 yards, then replaced by Tyrod Taylor. And one thing is certain, the Giants are much improved at backup quarterback. Giants fans, unfortunately, remember the team struggles after Jones's injury last year. Taylor has started over 50 NFL games. He was 13 of 21 with a touchdown. Tonight's at 418 yards of offense, 177 on the ground. Their new coach, Brian Dayball, was asked how it went on the sideline. The coaches did a good job, and they're respected. I think Wink had his staff really organized. Kafka did a really good job. I think he communicated well throughout the game. Again, we're not making a ton of adjustments here. and um, you know, I was, I was pleased with that. Again, pleased with the substitutions. I mean, it's our first step. It's... And I'm pleased with the way they competed. The Jets play tonight in Philadelphia. Jets just added a veteran tackle. Dwayne Brown is a five-time Pro Bowler. About to turn 37. Jets just lost tackle Makai Beckman to a season-ending knee injury. Baseball, Dyersville, Iowa. Great setting for the Field of Dreams game. Cubs beat the Reds 4-2. The Yankees and Red Sox tonight in Boston where the Sox won last night. But they're just 13-27 in their last 40 games. And the slumping Yankees are 10-18 in their last 28. And with Houston's win yesterday, the Yankees no longer have the best record in the American League. They also don't have the best record in New York. That belongs to the Red Hot Mets, who tonight hosts the Phillies. Max Scherzer on the mound. The NBA announced the entire league will retire the number six, won by the late Bill Russell. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan?
2: All right, John, thanks. S&P futures up 18 points. Dow futures up 127, and NASDAQ futures are higher by 62 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield, 2.87%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather expecting sunshine, low 80s today, sunshine, low 80s tomorrow, sunshine, low
5: 80s Sunday. Right now, 72 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow and stocks and U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning. Investors are assessing whether signs of cooling inflation will enable the Fed to pivot to less aggressive interest rate increases. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up 17 points this morning. Dow futures up 111. And Nasdaq futures up 60. The DAX in Germany is up four-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 432nds, yield 2.87 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.20 percent. NYMEX crude oil is little changed at $94.29 a barrel. COMEX gold down three tenths percent or $5.60 at $18.01.60 an ounce. The euro 1.0290 against the dollar. British pound 1.2131 and the yen 133.61. And bitcoins at $23,900 down 1.3%. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael.
3: Karen, thank you very much. After the FBI conducted a search for classified documents in former President Trump's Florida home, the Justice Department is now asking a federal court to unseal the Mar-a-Lago search warrant and a list of what was seized. Late last night, the former president issued a statement agreeing to the release. Meanwhile, according to the Washington Post, it said FBI agents were searching for classified documents related to nuclear weapons. A spokesperson for Anna H. says the actor is on life support after suffering a brain injury in a fiery crash a week ago in Los Angeles and is not expected to survive. In baseball, the Red Sox beat the Orioles 4-3. Thursday night preseason football, the Giants beat the Patriots 23-21. The Ravens beat the Titans 23-10. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 619 on Wall Street,
2: live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager. We want to focus on the Fed now in a conversation with San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly. In an interview with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes, Cherianne, and Heidi Stroud-Watts, Daily put attention on the real-world pain being inflicted by inflation, including those getting hurt the most by rising prices and how it could affect businesses in the long term. Let's listen to that part of the conversation now.
0: In terms of inequality of inflation, uh, everyone feels the pain, but people with high incomes feel it a lot less than people with less money to spend. That's just the way it is. Lower income people feel it more. Have you yourself in your life ever experienced this this pain of the inequality of inflation?
7: Well sure and you know anyone who grew up in the in the United States in the seventies and early eighties we know what high inflation felt like and you could experience it in various ways depending on what your income was and for me I remember it very Uniquely, I think, in my own upbringing is that that was the time when we had to make real trade-offs about putting things back, not getting them. And what I take from that is I see it today. And that's the part that's really painful go to the store you can walk out into any store any part of your community and you can watch people and you'll see them as they approach the aisle putting things back as they approach the checkout because they don't want to face the the pain and embarrassment of, of having the checker say you know that's not enough or having their their time you know they put it back there so what that is is it's an indignity and I think of this as the indignity of inflation it is the place where you're working you're earning a living. You're getting even wage increases. And your wage increase, even if it feels good, isn't Mm. keeping up. So every day you're falling behind. You're on this treadmill. And that indignity of inflation is what's really cruel about inflation. It hurts people who have less. It hurts them more. And it has that sense that you're trying as hard as you can and you
0: still can't make it. So real basic question, in terms of the inequality of inflation, break it down a bit for us. Uh, It seems pretty obvious that, yeah, if you have less money, it's going to hurt you more but in terms of more specifically like what parts of the economy who sure
7: so here's an easy way that I like to describe it and it really is true so think of necessities food you know gasoline and shelter so housing energy and food those are the things where prices have been skyrocketing and if you're In the lower part of the income distribution, you spend most of your disposable income, your paycheck, on those three items. So your trade-offs, which are taking place if you're in, you know, urban areas and you have less low and moderate income communities, you're making trade-offs that are between rent and gas for the car to go to work, food and and school clothes for your kids when they return to school. You know, the the, are you going to get a backpack and a lunchbox? Are you only going to get a backpack? Are you going to get nothing? And those are trade-offs that you know really hurt groups. And what is remarkable now, because you think of the average wage is growing at around you know five percent and then inflation is growing at eight point five percent, is we're not talking about, you know, just a limited number of people in the United States who are having this indignity of trade-offs and inflation. We're talking very far up the income distribution. Right. We're talking about middle America, you mm-hmm. know, people who are earning a good living thinking they've made it mm-hmm. and they're being chipped away at. Yeah. So this indignity spreads much okay. wider then I think we really understand and that's the importance of talking about it.
6: That also goes to future wealth creation, right? The impossibility of creating wealth in an environment where, as you say, these costs related to housing are going up. How worried are you about the other puzzle piece, right? That if the demand constraint continues to play out, companies are going to start laying off. We know that it is the lower skilled, lower paid workers that are impacted first. Well, right now,
7: I'm not seeing that. Certainly, we do want to focus on how this is impacting the labor market, and I spend a lot of time looking at that. But I'm not seeing that, and I'm not hearing that. What I'm hearing is that workers have jobs aplentiful, right? They can go out and find jobs. And even when a worker gets laid off, they, they find quickly another job. What they really feel, though, is that inflation's breaking the back of their well-being even when they have work. So, you know, firms want to catch up. They have a dearth of workers. They're still trying to fill slots that they've had open for months. So I think this rebalancing still leaves the economy with jobs. It just brings inflation down. And it creates a more sustainable economy where people don't have to frantically figure out what are they going to do next month. I think just settling the economy down, bringing inflation down, restoring some sustainability to growth really helps everyone.
2: And that was San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly speaking with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes, Sherry on and Heidi Stroud-Watts. You can catch the full interview on the Bloomberg Terminal or at Bloomberg.com. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are moving higher. On this Friday morning, S&P futures are up 15 points. Dow futures a gain of 106 points. NASDAQ futures are higher by 61 points. And the 10-year Treasury is up 30 seconds. The yield. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130, weather. early clouds give way to sunshine today and highs in the low 80s. We'll get down to the upper 60s tonight and the weekend calls for sun and low 80s. Right now, 72 degrees in Central Park. 630 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
1: I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 2.83% to 3.83%. Their clients can also earn extra income by lending their fully paid shares of stock rates subject to change. Learn more at IBKR.com slash compare. Up first, new details about the FBI executing a search warrant at the Florida home of former President. According to the Washington Post, classified documents related to nuclear weapons were among the items they were searching for. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the Department of Justice has filed a motion to unseal the search warrant. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. Attorney General Garland is also defending the integrity of his agents.
2: And reaction is pouring into the Attorney General's short briefing, Karen. Cardoza School of Law Professor Jessica Roth says it makes sense to unseal the warrant in this circumstance.
6: There's just an enormous public interest in these events, in part because of the former president's statements um, announcing it and subsequent statements. And by the fact that he's the former president of the United States.
2: Cardoza Law Professor Jessica Roth made the comments on Bloomberg Sound On, heard weekdays, 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Well, another political story we're following this morning, Nathan. Bloomberg News has learned President Biden is preparing to launch his re-election campaign after November's midterms.
2: And some new developments in the battle against COVID, Karen. The CDC no longer recommends quarantining after exposure to the virus. It says people with symptoms should end isolation on the sixth day or later.
1: Well, to markets now, Nathan, futures are higher as we close out a trading week highlighted by cooling inflation data shana orzik Sissel, founder of ben ryan capital management says she's still not jumping to invest in riskier assets i'm still not willing to dip into some of those areas right now i want to focus on quality companies with good long-term tailwinds and those names are not necessarily those speculative names And Shana Orzek-Sissel of Van Ryan Capital Management says she expects the Fed to be honkish.
2: Well, San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly says she's flexible uh, when it comes to raising rates at the next FOMC meeting.
7: The scale 50-75 doesn't just depend on a data point, even an important one like the CPI. I like to say that we're data dependent, not data point dependent.
2: San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly spoke on Bloomberg TV. Catch the full interview on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal.
1: And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg.
2: Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 72 degrees in Central Park. Got a crash eastbound, cross Bronx at the Bronx River Parkway. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael.
3: Good morning, Nathan. The man who led law enforcement officers on a chase after a failed attempt to breach the FBI Cincinnati field office was shot after an exchange of gunfire. Ohio State Highway Patrol spokesman, Lieutenant Nathan Dennis.
2: The suspect was. Uh... Uh, deceased. He's succumbed to his injuries at the scene and everything remains under investigation at this time.
3: The suspect is identified as 42-year-old Ricky Schiffer. Demonstrators converged on City Hall yesterday to once again call for the end of horse-drawn carriages in New York. It comes after a horse collapsed in Hell's Kitchen on Wednesday. The New York City Council is currently considering to replace horse-drawn carriages with electronic carriages. About 200 jurors for the trial of a man charged with killing eight people on a New York City bike path and a terror attack filled out questionnaires and they will be weeded out. Saifulo Saipov, who has pleaded not guilty, was charged in the October 2017 attack after prosecutors said that he used a truck that hit numerous pedestrians along the West Side Highway. An Indiana family, friends, and lawmakers remembered Republican Congresswoman Jackie Walorski at her funeral yesterday. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said both Republican and Democratic lawmakers held her in high regard.
2: The praise that she would have from both sides is tremendous. In today's world, that's a little difficult.
3: Walorski was killed along with three other people in a head-on car crash near South Bend earlier this month. The U.N. Security Council held an emergency meeting to discuss the ongoing crisis to Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine, which was reportedly struck by Russian missiles. U.S. Undersecretary of State for Arms Control and International Security, Ambassador Bonnie Denise Jenkins, urged Russia to return control of the plant to Ukraine.
8: We once again call on Russia to cease all military operations at or near Ukraine's nuclear facilities
7: and insist that Russia immediately return full control of the Zephyrisia facility to Ukraine.
3: Ambassador Jenkins says Russia alone created the risks. Either a team from New York or New Jersey will head to the Little League World Series. The 12-year-old boys from Massapequa Coast Little League will face the team from Toms River East in today's Metro Region Championship game in Bristol, Connecticut. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan.
2: Everybody gets a home team. Thank you, Michael. Just about 636 on Wall Street, and John Stash has got more in the Bloomberg Sports Update.
4: All right, Nathan Giants took the field for the first time under new coach Brian Dayball in New England, where Dayball was once an assistant under Bill Belichick, who was once a Giants assistant. Dayball, of course, replaced Joe Judge, and he's now back in New England, his second skin as a Patriots assistant. The game had six lead changes. The Giants won 23 21 on a last second Graham Gano field goal. Giants had 418 yards of offense, 177 on the ground, but. It's only preseason. Jets in Philadelphia tonight with the season-ending knee injury to tackle Makai Becton. The Jets signed veteran tackle Dwayne Brown, five-time Pro Bowler while with Seattle and Houston. Tom Brady has left the Bucs to attend to a personal matter, and he won't be practicing with Tampa Bay all of next week. Feel the Dreams game. Dyersville, Iowa. Yankees and White Sox did it last year. It was the Cubs and Reds last night, and Joey Votto felt uh, a little like... Kevin Costner.
2: For me, watching the movie, um, you know, is something my father and I shared, and uh, it's not something I would give anything for. You know, I wish he was here. I wish at the very end of tonight's game, uh, he and I could go on the field and do something we did from when I was eight, nine years old. And um, you know, it's 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 really eerie how much the movie. Aligns with my life experience. Cubs
4: won the game four to two. Yankees just one and five on this road trip. They're now in Boston. Red hot Mets host the Phillies. They just had a seven game win streak comes within. The Phillies will face the Mets one two punch. Max Scherzer tonight. Jacob Degrom tomorrow. Mets have won six in a row. Fifteen in the last seventeen. Much like what baseball did with Jackie Robinson's number forty two, the entire NBA is returning the number six, one with the late Bill Russell. John Stashauer Bloomberg Sports. Nathan.
2: All right, John. Thank you. It is 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg's Laura Wright. We're seeing futures move higher this morning, Laura, but we've got some companies moving lower on disappointing earnings.
6: We do. Good morning, Nathan. So, Illumina, this is a gene sequencing company. It's cut its annual forecast as the company faces possible penalties in Europe over its acquisition of a cancer test provider, Grail. Now, European regulators said they implemented their merger deal before regulators actually reviewed the transaction. So, Illumina have come out with a statement. They say they are facing challenges in a complex macro environment, and those challenges are more than offsetting the growth that they continue to see on sequencing with their platforms so more of a regulatory hurdle
2: yeah and it's not the only company that's reporting challenges not necessarily over regulations but we've also got some uh, disappointing earnings news from the electric truck maker rivian
6: yeah so although earnings were strong as you mentioned Rivian lowered their full year earnings expectations because like so many automakers they are struggling to deal with supply chain snags high costs, economic uncertainty, so they are now projecting a full-year loss of $5.5 billion. Now, interestingly, Rivian, they have a contract with Amazon, the Amazon being one of the largest investors in the company, to produce 100,000 electric vehicle delivery vans by the end of this decade. We've seen over the course of the pandemic how imperative logistics providers have become, so I think that's a really interesting business angle for them. Um, but they also they haven't diminished their full-year delivery target. They still think they will produce 25,000 electric vehicles this year. But the downgrade on forecast, you know, right now the stock is up fractionally um, ahead of the bell, but we we may see some moves to the downside um, at the open.
2: And I see you're keeping your eye on some uh, Chinese shares that trade in the U.S. What's got your eye there?
6: Yeah, so Alibaba, the U.S. listed ADR down 3.1% at present. So. Chinese stocks in the U.S., listed in the U.S., are slipping because a few, five of China's largest state-owned companies have announced plans to delist from U.S. exchanges. It includes China Life Insurance, PetroChina, Sinopac. Um, And this really comes down to geopolitics that date back to the Trump administration with tariffs back and forth, and that has then spiraled into looking more closely at how these companies are audited. This has led to a bit of market confusion. We knew this was coming, but we thought it would take place next.
2: Yeah. it's a tide that's been building. Thanks for this Laura, great having you on with us this week. Bloomberg's Laura Wright, keeping an eye on the uh, stocks on the move in the pre-market. Uh as we look ahead to the open, futures are higher. S&P futures up 17 points right now, Dow futures up 110, and the Nasdaq futures are higher by 64 points. 10-year treasury is up seven thirty seconds for a yield of 2.86%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Nice. Low 80s today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Looking for sunshine and pleasant temperatures all weekend long. Right now, 72 degrees in Central Park.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are higher this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Felice Morantz. Felice, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Futures are indeed climbing today, with Dow futures up about 100 and S&P 500 up 15. On the economic front, University of Michigan sentiment at 10 a.m.
6: Regarding earnings, Rivian sales beat, but it's grappling with production issues, and Illumina is plunging after cutting its forecast. In other news, five of China's state-owned giants will delist from U.S. exchanges. Live from the First Word breaking news desk, I'm Felice Marantz. Karen?
1: Great, right, Felice. Thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type Squawk on your terminal. S-Q-U-A-W-K. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael.
3: Karen, thank you very much. After the FBI conducted a search for classified documents in former President Trump's Florida home, the Justice Department is now asking a federal court to unseal the Mar-a-Lago search warrant and a list of what was seized. Late last night, the former president issued a statement agreeing to the release. Meanwhile, according to the Washington Post, it said FBI agents were searching for classified documents relating to nuclear weapons. In baseball, the Red Sox beat the Orioles 4 3. Thursday night preseason football, the Giants beat the Patriots 23 21. The Ravens beat the Titans 23 10. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen.
1: All right, Michael. Thank you. It is 648 on Wall Street. And we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM Report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked top 50 national public university by U.S. News and World Report, and top 10 in the nation for engineering by money.com. Learn more at njit.edu. And here's us making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Today, the Rhine River is likely to shrink to a level that could disrupt the transport of fuel throughout Europe. The effects could ripple through the continent for months. The water level at a key waypoint west of Frankfurt is set to go below about 16 inches and continue dwindling. That makes it uneconomical for barges carrying coal and oil to transit the river. A new study suggests landfills are releasing a significant amount of planet-warming methane into the atmosphere from the decomposition of waste. Scientists used satellite data from four major cities around the world, Delhi and Mumbai in India, Lahore in Pakistan, and Buenos Aires in Argentina, and found that city-level emissions in 2018 and 2019 were 1.4 to 2.6 times higher than earlier estimates. The study was published in Science Advances. And Apple has asked suppliers to build at least as many of its next-generation iPhones this year as in 2021. Bloomberg News has learned that Apple wants 90 million of the devices, about the same as last year. That's despite projections that the smartphone market will shrink. Apple's counting on an affluent clientele and dwindling competition to weather the downturn. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan?
2: Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it is 650 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in the where some of the top stories include reports that the FBI searched former President Donald Trump's home for nuclear documents, the former president calling for the release of the search warrant after Attorney General Garland said he's made that request, and President Biden priming his reelection run to stop Trump, Despite doubts within his own party, let's bring back Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins for more on all these stories. Emily, what is the latest that we've heard about just what the FBI was looking for at Mar-a-Lago?
8: So we have reports from The Washington Post this morning that the FBI was looking for documents related to nuclear weapons. Now, we don't have a ton of details on this yet. It's not clear if they were about U.S. nuclear weapons, weapons that belong to other countries. It's not even clear if the documents that they were looking for were among the documents seized. But, Nathan, let's be clear. This is a huge deal. The New York Times has reported that this is a material that's part of a special access program. That's a designation even more classified than Top secret. It is extremely sensitive. It is definitely related to national security. If it's about nuclear weapons, um, and there is, I think, a, a big wait and see feeling right now in D.C. Everyone wants to see what's going to happen when this warrant is unsealed, when they unseal a list of what was taken from Mar-a-Lago in this search. Um, and I think that's just the big question. We saw uh, former President Trump last night say that he would encourage the warrant to be unsealed, uh, just as Merrick Garland, um, the current acti- current attorney general, called for yesterday. That could come as soon as today. And I think it's just, it's just a-, a waiting game now.
2: And it's interesting to hear the former president saying he does encourage the release of the warrant, given that if it does rise to this level, classified material related to nuclear documents, this could put the former president in some serious legal jeopardy.
8: Yeah. Again, Nathan, it's it's a huge question that everyone has, you know, sort of why, why does Trump want to see this released? Is he just saying that? I mean, the other kind of interesting little wrinkle here is that If Trump wanted the warrant out there, he could just put it out there. He's got it. He can just, you know, release it when as you know, as he needs. I mean, he was the one after all, um, even though there were a couple early reports that there might have been uh, a search on Mar-a-Lago, Trump was really the one who confirmed that kind of coming out with the details of of what had happened. Um, I think there's just a lot of question marks here. And you're even seeing Washington respond to this. Republicans really haven't seen a lot of big statements from them since. Attorney General Merrick Garland's announcement yesterday, a um, sort of about what what they're thinking and, and how they're going to go forward. I think they too are waiting to see exactly what is in this warrant. It does it deal with nuclear weapons, and, and if so, what are the contents?
2: But, of course, there was a lot of uh, pressure, certainly political pressure, around the Justice Department ahead of this announcement, a lot of threats made against FBI agents. Is that sort of what spurred the attorney general to go up to the podium and make this sort of extraordinary announcement about a search warrant, something you don't really see the Justice Department do?
8: Absolutely, Nathan. I think that's a really valid question. I, I actually asked a legal expert yesterday on Bloomberg Sound On program, which you can listen back to, to the podcast of today. Um, but what she said was basically that she did not think that this was a result of political pressure, that this was an actual result of the Justice Department recognizing that more transparency was needed for this particular case, that it's one that's of interest to the American people. Merrick Garland himself noted that it was Trump who released the news that this search uh, had taken place at Mar-a-Lago and really brought that into the public eye. Um, But, uh, Nathan, I mean, at the same point, let's I think it's a very valid question. There was a ton of political pressure on the Justice Department. And when Merrick Garland spoke yesterday, he didn't speak for long. He didn't take any questions, but he made sure to really defend the FBI and FBI agents as working for the American people, really pushing back against a lot of that criticism that's been levied and, and that we've actually seen turn into to action uh, with the uh, individual um, who was caught trying to attack the FBI uh, headquarters in Cincinnati the other day.
2: And of course, with all the attention around the multiple investigations around a former President Trump, it's interesting to get another story on the Bloomberg terminal this morning that current President Joe Biden is firming up his plans to run for reelection.
8: Yeah, we knew that Biden was planning on running again for president. We now have reporting on the terminal that he's planning to make that announcement after the November elections. Um And this is coming as Biden sort of in this very interesting time right now. Right. He's had these low approval ratings. We've seen polling from late July from CNN showing that three fourths of his own party wants to see someone else run for president in 2024. At the same point, Biden's really had this sort of banner a couple of weeks. Uh, he's gotten a lot of legislation passed. He's been able to claim a lot of credit. You saw inflation numbers go down um, for July from their high in August. And so he has a number of, of recent wins that he can work with here. At the same point, there are a lot of concerns about Biden's age. I mean, if he if he were to run and win, In 2024, he would be uh, 83 when he begins his his second term. And there's also just a sense that, you know, for a party that's as uh, that likes to claim diversity as much as the Democratic Party does to have that led by an older white man. it, It doesn't jive with as many with with some of the Democratic voters out there who just think that there needs to be someone new.
2: Well, given all those headwinds that we've really seen over the last few months, Emily, in our last minute here, what's the president doing to sort of rally support around him before he makes this expected announcement in the next few months?
8: So the president is going to be really focused on 2022 and making sure that Democrats win the midterms. At this point, it is expected that Republicans will win the House come November. They have the historical precedent. They have uh, obviously you know, inflation. It might have gone down, but it's still high. Gas prices, they've gone down, but they're still high. Um, You know, they, and they it's not like, you know, Republicans have to win a ton of seats to take the House. They only have to win a handful to do so. And so I think a lot of what the president's attention is going to be on making sure that If that Democrats, A, can win the House and B, if they can't win, that Republicans only have a very, very narrow margin to work with. At the same point, also making sure he's keeping focused on the Senate. uh, That's also a a toss up, even though it's it, you know, Democrats have a little bit better chance there of keeping the chamber. So I think Mm -hmm. that's really what we're going to see Biden continue to focus on, as well as just sort of getting out there. The fact that they have passed these bills and explaining to them, explain to the American people what's in them
2: so much for a sleepy august in washington dc thanks for this bloomberg government reporter emily wilkins read more bloomberg.com or on the bloomberg terminal listen to bloomberg 991 105.7 fm hd2 if you're ever in the nation's capital bloomberg surveillance is up next across bloomberg radio for karen moscow i'm nathan hager this is bloomberg
0: the countdown has begun from may 14th to 16th a thousand global leaders will gather in doha